In every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in their chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. is the definition of a seeker. He is one who will search the earth and his soul to find what he is looking for. Though he's only 22, Phelan has had more realizations than most people in their 50s. He used to carry the weight of the world's problems on his shoulders, but has relieved himself of that immense pressure and uncovered his passion for serving others and helping them choose happiness and be their true selves. He's a fantastic storyteller and a true inspiration. Here is my talk with Phelan. I grew up in uh, Western Massachusetts in a pretty small town in the middle of nowhere. And my parents split up when I was like eight months old. So I was always moving back and forth between houses, which was like a big part of my childhood and just like creating who I am in my life and kind of how I deal with conflict and how I experience the world, um, which we can get into later. But Another big part of growing up here was that I went to private schools for a long time and um, was pretty like okay just being weird and being myself for that time because they were all pretty small and outdoorsy and just like, you know, Steiner-esque type schools. So there wasn't a lot of pressure to conform to society or anything like that. And then I switched into public school when I was in seventh grade, which was like good for some of my social interaction skills, but also really bad for just like my personal well-being and personal authenticity as a human. So that kind of set the stage for a lot of the challenges that I had to deal with and have. How old are you when you switched? Um, 15. No, 13. Oh, wow. 13. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then I was in public school through the end of high school. So seven through 12th grade, uh, which was good. And I made friends, but it only had to conform to what or I felt like I had to conform to what society wanted from me and I didn't feel like I could be myself as much as I would have liked. Um, and I didn't even really have the the self-reflective skills at that point to understand that it was something I would have wanted more of. It was just kind Ooh. of how it was happening. Yeah. So that's kind of my childhood. I spent a lot of time outdoors, um, spent a lot of time reading and uh, yeah. So like nature books and kind of the fantasy worlds were like where I spent my time if that makes sense yeah talk about that why why fantasy worlds were you trying to escape um no i mean i i don't know i think everyone escapes into books Mm, and movies and shows but it wasn't really like a a fatalistic like me trying to escape my life kind of thing it was more just like i enjoyed enjoyed those worlds because they were really fun to think about like Mm. running around with magic and swords and stuff um so i like played dungeons and dragons when i was younger and played magic the gathering from like nine years old until I'll, I mean I still play sometimes so it's like that was a big part of my life um, but I just like always enjoyed the the imagination part of it and the ability to like be strategic and, and make decisions in ways that wouldn't necessarily like affect my real life but would come into play and like having to learn how to plan and how to build um, different I mean I don't want to get too into it because it's it's complicated and you only know if you play but Basically, yeah, just like experiencing that like um, emotional or no, not emotional, intellectual like rigor at, on, on on my own time instead of like doing it through mm. school was really fun for me when I was young. That's cool. It's like a it's like a training ground for hard decisions, in a way. Yeah, kind it could yeah it could have been. My dad used to talk about it like that. He would say like um, playing magic would train me to like do business when I was older and I was like, whatever, but oh, no now way. That I'm was a he a magic older, guy? I, no. Um, I think, I, I mean, I started playing cause my uncle played, but, mm-hmm. and some of my friends did too, but yeah. So I don't really know if that's true yet, but maybe it definitely mm-hmm. taught me about like people just like, cause going to, I went to tournaments when I was young and like, there are all different kinds of weirdos at magic tournaments. And <laughs> I think I like learned really early on that everyone's a, good pretty much like maybe there's like half a percent of people or like less that are not good people um but by and large everyone is is a pretty awesome 
everyone everyone is awesome or trying their best to like be their best selves i think uh it's just sometimes like that comes out differently and different types of personalities didn't mesh so like there were you know five or ten percent of people at magic tournaments who i liked who wanted to go hiking and also wanted to be nerds and then there were people who like were just kind of annoying and then there were kind of the people who were not that good and so it just depended on i don't know i realized that like there are always you can always find your tribe in any group of people and not to like judge um absent-mindedly i guess mm. yeah that's a good lesson i feel like you can look, apply that to anything now I, when i was a kid i used to go to pokemon leagues at my local bookstore nice. um funny enough i grew up in roanoke virginia which is a big magic hub because yeah. that's where yeah, star city, city games, games is yeah 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 which is funny because that's where I would buy my Pokemon cards when I was a kid. But then I found out they're like a huge Magic the Gathering thing. And this yeah. whole time I had no idea. <laughs> and I found that out yeah. recently. Did you, awesome. ever go to, yeah. did you ever go to Roanoke to play a tournament? No. No, the furthest I went was DC for a tournament mm. from Massachusetts. Yeah. So funny. Kind of crazy. I just like went with these two adults when I was like 17, 16 for like three days. <laughs> my parents were like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, no it's fine. <laughs> it really is crazy how deep the Magic the Gathering uh group goes i mean they yeah it's amazing but yeah talk about um 10 year old phelan what, what do you want to do when he was older yeah um honestly i've thought about this a lot because they always say like what you wanted to do as a kid is what you should do as an adult mm -hmm. that's why i always ask that. it because i kind of see how it yeah how it forms into where you are now but honestly i like can't remember Oh, interesting. Like, I've thought about this and I like I actually have no idea what I wanted to do as a kid. Um Is that a relief? Even... Like that not having that pressure of feeling you have to do what you wanted to do when you were a kid? Um I guess I don't really know what else there like what other kinds of feelings there would be because I don't remember. It, so it's hard mm, to prepare for me. Makes sense, but, yeah. Yeah. Cause now you mentioned I, like, like they ahead. say you're supposed to go back to what you want to do as a kid and try to do that now. But since you don't remember now you can, you have like a clean slate. Yeah. Um, I mean, having a clean slate is pretty hard, <laughs> I think regardless. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true too. Um, I definitely like, it's nice to not have like that dream to be a doctor or something or to be a, a red power ranger, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like not be able to live up to that dream. But at the same time, I think like, I definitely still have dreams now that I've created that I am trying to live up to, right? And they might not be my childhood ones, but they're still very like visceral and emotional. Mm, yeah, so, still valid. Yeah. I'm gonna right. live up to that Red Power Ranger one day, I'm telling you. I believe you, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about, uh, so you said you were having tr your parents um, early on split up was that tough uh for because a lot of people use their parents as a support system so was that yeah. tough early on um this is like a long story so i'll try and do it quickly but no no, no, no rush parents... we, we're, we're we've got some time okay cool so my parents were um 19 my mom was 19 and my dad was 21 when i was born and um i mean i don't know how much they want me to share but like it's my life, so I'll just share. Um, <laughs> Love it. I like I'm, I'm I was an accident for sure, and like my parents were traveling in a VW bus across the country, um, just like doing the the hippie life. So, which explains like a lot about the way I am. Um, and so then that was kind of like the the stage being set. And my mom like never graduated from high school, but she's like one of the smartest people I know, and so wise and and depthful. But I think just like that my mom had like a lot of trouble growing up because her dad died when she was eight and on the other hand like my dad's family was like super super stable but like very american like go to work his dad went to work his mom was like home and you know they also yeah there's a lot here but but basically like what's relevant to my life is that my parents were not super in line with each other in terms of like how they thought i should be raised mm -hmm. um and in terms of like what they were spending their time doing around the time that I was born. So they were just like focused on different things. And I think my mom was more um, ready and passionate about having a child at that time. And my dad was like a little bit scared about it, but I also don't really know because I've, I've heard like stories from both of them from their own perspectives and they kind of conflict. And I mean, no one wants to like, 
be the villain, right? And I don't think there is a villain in this situation. Like both my parents are awesome and I love them both a lot. Um, but I think at that time it just like wasn't really meant to be. And I think that my parents like should not be together, right? Like there's no, no way that that would work out at all. So I'm actually like really grateful that they split up, even though it did cause me a lot of pain when I was younger, like listening to them fight and understanding that or not understanding like why that was happening, you know, as, as a child being like, Oh, why are these people who I love like fighting and why are they fighting about me? Right. And that was just like kind of the, the thought process I had when I was really little. Um, and it made me really, uh, I just like, never really was able to understand the, the anger and like the really high intensity emotion that emotions that came out of that kind of situation. And so those like always made me kind of uncomfortable when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, I actually think like in terms of your question, you asked and having like support systems, my support system was awesome. Like because they split up, I ended up having like grandparents and friends, parents and like a whole community of people who raised me. And so it was more than just like two people, which actually was like amazing. Like I, I am so, so grateful that I've had so many different parental figures in my life because I've experienced, um, it's, it's ha built me in such a way that I have more, um, perspective on what might be the correct way to live and operate just cause like when you grow up with two people and two parents, I think there's like a very limited perspective, number of perspectives on how you can choose to live your own life. But for me, like I got to watch a bunch of different people. And so it was really interesting growing up. Um, yeah, nice yeah, variety. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Um, but it, it was, it was hard. Like it, it definitely was hard. And for a long time I harbored like a lot of anger and resentment from my parents at like doing that to me. And then when I turned uh, like 20 or 21, when I was like older than my parents had been when I was born, I was like, oh shit, like they did a great job, <laughs> you know? Cause mm. I was like, what if I had a kid right now, you know? And it yeah. was like a really good <laughs> switch for me. And it gave me a lot of empathy in terms of my parents and the job that they had done. And I'm just like really, really grateful to both of them now for sticking it out and doing their best and like loving me without like any really other intention other than just like loving me. Um, even if they might not have always gotten along with each other. Mm. Uh, was there a communication shift when that happened? Like, did you one day go, Oh man, Hey, Hey ma, like, thanks for everything you did. I didn't realize it till now. Yeah. I don't know if it was that like abrupt, but, um, yeah, I think, so just like to explain the, the groundwork for how this kind of happened. Like when I was mm -hmm. 16, I got my license and then just like had independence all of a sudden. And um, my mom had two more kids with my stepdad who I like love my little sisters and they're seven and nine. Um, but basically like when I got my license, I would just like go wherever I wanted to be. So that like freed me almost. And then when I left for college, my mom and my dad both got married that summer before I went to college in 2016. Um, oh, wow. And I think I like remember this like moment when I was just outside in the summer, like right before I left for school in my hammock and just like sobbing, like falling apart because I was so like sad just because my parents had created their own new units, like their own new bubbles of family and I, I didn't belong there. And that was like a really hard moment for me, even though it was just a story I was telling myself. And like, obviously I still am a part of both of those families, but at the same time, like there was some truth to that. And I had to break away and be my independent uh, like self in life. And so over the years in college, I think that became more and more true. And so now it's like, I have a peer relationship, which is like still a mentor relationship sometimes, but I think I like my relationship with my parents is very different than other people. And I've like, talk to a lot of my friends about their relationships with their parents and mine's just like so so unique and I think that a lot of that has come from my need to be independent so that I yeah from like that that moment in the hammock and and my need to be independent has driven me to have really hard conversations with my parents about what I want our relationships to look like um and how I need to like be given freedom and how they need to be given freedom and how we like can't tell each other what to do and what we think we should do with our lives. And so those relations, like those 
relationships with my parents have become really, really solid. And I've been able to um, tell them like everything. And I, I realized when I was like 15 that honesty in life is just like 100% the best choice to make always. Uh, and because, and especially because with people who love you, like if you're honest with them, they're not going to hate you for it, right? Even if you mm. mess up. Um, and I had this realization, I was, I was driving, I just gotten my license, I was driving in my car and I hit, I like was changing a song on my phone and I like slid against a guardrail and I was just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And I was like freaking out, right? And then I was like, what's like the best way to handle this situation? And I realized that it was just to be honest, right? Mm. And so over the years, my, my ability to be honest has shifted and changed. And at the beginning, I was like, just honest about everything. And then that transitioned into like being blunt and being kind of mean, which I realized mm -hmm. was wrong when one of my friends was like crying after I told her something like I was like, hey, like you look tired. And she was like, oh, fuck, you know, and then I was like, oh, maybe I should like integrate some compassion into this. Um, and <laughs> I then, feel like that happened to me as well. When I when I realized being honest was the best, I kind of went into a blunt phase as well and yeah. then had to had to draw it back. Yeah, I think it's it's, really I feel like that's journey. a common thing. Yeah, yeah. And so then it developed even more or like dug backwards, I guess, my honesty into almost an escape. Like I would say things so that I didn't have to deal with them. Right. Mm. Like, like an example of this is my sophomore year of college, I decided to take a quarter off to go travel to Southeast Asia. Um, and I posted on Instagram about it and got like 400 likes and like, I don't know, a hundred comments or something. It was just like blowing up. Like I had never gotten any, like that much engagement on anything. And the, the sensation of having posted that I was going to do something gave me like this sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, but on like a surface level. And so I think that that's like how I was honest for a while was I would like say things in order to get the, the feedback on them or get the mm. sensation of having done the thing without actually done doing the inner work. And so I realized like pretty recently, actually, that I was escaping being honest with myself and being in integrity with myself by doing this like surface level reflective honesty uh, with other people and to just say stuff without really thinking about it. Um, and how this like transitions all or like connects back to my parents is, is I then realized that like, I really needed to just like have really good conversations with my parents about our relationships and instead of being like mean or blunt or reflective about it actually like connect heart to heart you know and mm -hmm. i think that that's like set the stage for the rest of my life is just this this um really intense deep honesty that comes from like connecting with the primal essence of reality <laughs> You know? As deep, I think we need to draw back some layers on that. The primal essence of reality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, I, last August, about a year ago, um, did shrooms for the first time. And I don't know like how like legal this is to talk about, but it's fine. Um, uh, I'm sure and, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. And since then, I've done it a few times and each time I think I like connect to this like primal essence of reality or whatever um, in a way that's like really, really unique to that experience, that kind of experience. And before having done them, I never really even understood what that was um, mm -hmm. and what it was like to, to experience that. So this is really challenging to explain, but I'm going to try. So yesterday yeah, I it. was interviewing this guy on my podcast and I, we were talking about authenticity and he said that it's when you can just be without thinking about what people are thinking about you. Right. And it's just mm. like when you can just show up as yourself without any other, any, without anything else. And there's this uh, documentary on Netflix called have a good trip. Um, an adventure in psychedelics and sting is on it and he describes the experience as as taking out the the that between i and thou or something like that and so for me it was the first time that i really like was a hundred percent present to 
just the realness of of the world and just like mm. what it is to be right now um and each time i've done them it's like brought me back to that connection to i don't know like to, to the greater essence of reality to like god to the energy of everything um and because of those experiences i've been able to really appreciate my life and life in general and i'm just like so profoundly grateful to be in existence in each moment and that was really like a big shift for me in how i interpreted my own existence and the existence of life in general and it moved me from being prone to bouts of self um like selfish depression basically where i was so in such a dark place often because i things weren't working out for me in what mm -hmm. i seemed needed in what i thought needed to happen in like the ways that i thought needed to happen and after these experiences and after like a ton of self-work too just like journaling reflecting working in groups like working with coaches working with friends working with mentors like a lot of work went into this too but that like glimpse of what life could be plus all of this work and the the wanting to do the work to get to the place i now have like this just like really tough to explain presence of being and i think that's where like the the honesty and the primal energy of of reality or whatever i said earlier like mm -hmm. comes from is just this desire to be now and to be connected to what actually is and to be grateful and to choose to be alive as opposed to like droning off in stagnation and and turning our our hearts off and turning our minds off and just being off right like there's an on and there's an on off button to your own life and it's like why would you press the off button right mm. and that's kind of like where i've worked to get to and am sometimes right <laughs> like there's a <laughs> yeah, it can't a be book, all the time right there's a book called awareness by anthony Demello, which is like so so good tim ferris recommended it and so i like went and read it and it was just like blew my mind um and that book talks about this sensation of being now and being grateful and being present as being awake. And I was talking to one of my friends the other day about this. And I was like, sometimes you have to take naps, right? Like you can't just mm -hmm. like, be awake all the time. So that's kind of how I think about it now. And it's I took away looking like, at taken... it. Thanks. Yeah. And I've taken off like a lot of pressure for myself in terms of like where I need to get or what needs to be going my way. Like, before I would be so sad if I like weren't in a relationship or if I weren't moving towards my passions or if I thought that people didn't like me. And now I'm just like, who cares? Right. Like mm. I'll get where I need to go eventually. And if I just like trust in the world and trust in myself and trust in, I don't know, God is such an interesting concept that I don't really know if I like prescribe to in the same way that everyone else does, but it's a good, placeholder word for me in terms of like describing that which i can't describe so just like trusting mm. god to like fulfill you know and to yeah if i put in the work and if i trust like my life is going to be great um yeah and something that i i know i'm talking forever but I no you're good this is like okay cool it's a complicated subject I've, I've thought about is like and this has like been a really really big shift in my in how i think about life and how i think about the world recently is that given the choice to be happy or to not be happy, I choose to be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and that's Wait, but is the, is the choice of not being happy, like blatant. I feel like it's not, you, nobody says I want to not be happy. It just kind of happens because they don't choose to be happy. Yeah, I agree. And I think like in what you just said still lies a choice, right? Like people don't mm -hmm. say I don't want to be happy and then aren't happy, but they don't say I want to be happy, right? Like mm -hmm. they yeah, don't say yeah. I'm going to choose to be happy and then make it happen. They say so like, inaction in a, in a way is choosing. Yeah. And one. it's like, and it's like victimization, like too, like playing mm -hmm. the victim. I think a lot of people do that. And if you read books and like fiction and fantasy books too, like in that their hero's journey is like so often this like victimization thing where mm -hmm. at the beginning yeah. someone is like, 
the victim and they're like oh my god life sucks like even just look look at me right i was like oh my gosh my parents split up and like my life sucked because of that and i'm never gonna have a good relationship because i don't know how to love and i don't know how to mm-hmm. be loved because right and like all this stuff comes in and then i was like whoa 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 <laughs> like, hold on <laughs> i'm not the break victim. cut the brakes like, let's go <laughs> exactly like each person is the hero of their own story and in order to do that you need to like take ownership of your life mm-hmm. and i think that that's like where the big difference is is like once I realized that I needed to take ownership of my life, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be happy and be grateful because if I'm not like, that's stupid. <laughs> Why wouldn't mm-hmm. I just like choose to be happy and grateful? Yeah. And, and I think that like projecting that forward, right? Like if, if in the present moment I can choose to be now and choose to be happy and grateful and I am, then there's no reason why in 10 years I wouldn't also be making that choice. And so that realization mm-hmm. took off a ton of pressure because then I was like, oh, there's nothing I need to do in order to be happy and grateful and fulfilled in the present moment. So there's nothing I need to do in 10 years that's going to unlock this fulfillment for my life. Like it's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it like took off the pressure and now I just feel like I can live and do what I'm interested in. And like, there's no pressure. And I think that so many people, and for me, like pressure was such a huge thing for me. Like I always put so much pressure on myself to do this or to like, I don't know, just like get X or Y or Z. And now I'm like, oh, like there's not really a, a reason to do that. Um, where was that really? Yeah. As you said, when you realized that, so where where was the catalyst for that? Um, I, th- I actually think there was like, okay, so I finished reading uh, Old Path White Clouds, which is the biography of the Buddha um, written mm. by Thich Nhat Hanh and great book. It's like, really 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 powerful and you're dropping books friends. i never heard of before i usually i usually hear the books people mention but these are two i haven't heard of yet yeah I've heard so it i finished i've heard of the author but not the book yeah so this is like one of his longer books i think um and it's like 600 pages and basically during quarantine and during the start of corona i was still at school and my campus was closed technically but i would basically wake up at like seven or eight every morning sometimes earlier and just like walk as slowly as possible with and actually I would walk to the bench my like favorite bench it was under this magnolia tree and then I would sit there and I would meditate for like 10 to 20 minutes and then I would read old path white clouds for as long as I could I would just like sit there read it until it like overfilled me with like I don't know awe or like I had to really like chew on what I was reading and it was just like because it's a hard book right it's like really deep and there's a lot of profound stuff in there um and then I would walk back to my house which was like 0.7 miles away from this bench or something probably closer actually but I would walk as slowly as I possibly could and do a walking meditation and I did this for about a month and a half or two months until I finished the book every day and it was such an amazing way to set the foundation for my life and I had the time and the space to do it and to make it happen and then after I did that I like had a lot of inner peace going on (laughs) and I finished reading um, awareness also at at that point too and then this is why I laughed at the beginning of this story because then after that I was like oh like I should try smoking weed more (laughs) I like I did and I just not a lot but you know a few days in a row which I had never done I had always like smoked at night with friends and stuff but I smoked by myself in the day and just like went out and like figured things out and I had like a ton of realizations in like these two or three days that had all been building up inside of me as I read these books and as I meditated and I think like something about the being high like unlocked the the filter that I usually put between my mind and what I create which I think is like what weed can do if used well um and I I think there's like a lot to talk about in terms of weed too and I'm like definitely not the expert to talk about it but (laughs) in that situation it was like really good for me and ended up teaching me or helping me learn about myself a lot of really important things and that was one of the things that I learned so yeah that's the story of that realization. Wow. That's a lot of, your story is a lot of, I see two common elements of your story and that's a lot of realizations and escapism. And it's funny how they kind of fit in together. Like you go from magic, the gathering escapism and then realization of being real with your parents. And then you have psychedelics escapism and then being real with your happiness. 
it's like it's funny how you have these two extremes but then they come together to yeah. make you like a better that. person yeah it's, yeah, it's really, really cool you say that. it might be that like in trying to i mean i don't know the word escapism like feels wrong yeah it does in, yeah it's like we're trying to run away but in in reality it's more of i think it's so someone once called me a seeker and actually like two or three people have like named me as a seeker which is mm -hmm. just like an archetype of humanity and i think that it's like that's more of the feeling for me is like seeking something um, oh, okay. which is pretty similar like you know in a way in a way it's like where i am now is not where i want to be in terms of what i want to know and learn and understand and so i'm gonna go seek something else which like could mm -hmm. be looked at as like escaping right now but i think it's more like I want to go seek something and then bring it back right? yeah. so I can like give it away basically. Um, I like that. To the people. Yeah. It's me. like, yeah. and you're not afraid to, to go. I mean, you went to, took off a, a quarter of a semester, went to Southeast Asia and tried all these recreational things. It's, it sounds like you're not afraid to, to find what you like, seek what you, what you need, no matter what the source. Yeah, that's definitely true. Although there's like a lot of fear too. Yeah. Um, but always, actually, always I think is. like, yeah, I think my fear is a little different for than other people. Like, I remember when I went to Southeast Asia, so many people were like, "How did you do that?" Like, I would be so afraid, and I was like, Meh. "I mm. like wasn't afraid at all to do that." I was just like excited. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. The other day, I went to ask this girl out at Ben and Jerry's, where I've been like <laughs> going to get ice cream, and I was terrified, like so, so, like so scared. So I think there's just like different things that scare different kinds of what different kinds of things that scare. Can't leave us a knife the finger there. Oh, I know. But I'm actually like really glad I did it because, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even yeah. if you fail, there's still like a high that you get from like I did it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and again. that's like, dude, that's like literally it, right? Like if you can understand that all you have to do is try. Like it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if it works. It doesn't matter if you like quote unquote succeed. It's just like if you try that's it that's all that matters and i think that that's like what life is about it's not about i like one time about a year a year and a half ago i was it was january 1st 2019 and i was walking through the woods through the snow with one of my best friends for like all of my life and we always have these like really really deep philosophical conversations and i remember very vividly saying one thing it's not about succeeding or failing it's about learning or learning and that like reframe of just like there literally is no success or failure if you're growing it's just like mm -hmm. always good <laughs> you know so that was just like a big big win too bam you just you just uh that's gonna be the video clip on instagram <laughs> for this episode <laughs> that's a good quote uh so talk about um a few more things I want to talk about. One is the shift. You was 15 years old. You shifted to public school. And I remember you said earlier something about 15 years old was like where you found a realization. Um, I don't know if it was with your parents or with with being uh, more aware. But it sounds more like honest. 15 was pretty – yeah, more honest. That was. Mm -hmm. it sounds yeah. like 15 was pretty transformative. Yeah, it's interesting that those two things happened at the same time because in my mind, looking back, I have like two parallel selves in life throughout high school, mm. which is super interesting like to think about. But basically there was like the self that I was at high school and there was the self that I was at home. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe three. Like there was one when I was alone, one when I was with my friends and family who I'd grown up with, and then ones when I, one when I was with friends at high school. And those were like my three different personas. And they all like were me, but were very like different forms of me. And so just like walk through them quickly. Um, the one that I portrayed myself as in high school was like, I tried to be a cool kid. I tried to be like really smart and good at school. I tried to like be good at sports. I tried to fit in and like, I didn't tell anyone that I played magic because I thought it was like nerdy and, and dorky to do. And I thought people wouldn't like me. So I was like really nervous to tell, to like actually show people that. And then there was the me, and I also did this like coming of age program, which was super profound for me when I was like 13, 14, 15, um, which I didn't tell anyone about at school because I was like in the woods and I didn't want to be like looked at as a weird person. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was like the family and friends that I was with. And those were like, that was probably like my most 
my best self was like in those situations because I felt very safe. Um, and so I was just like unabashedly myself in that kind of a way. Um, but also like I was a kind of a dick when I was in like high school because I was a teenager. <laughs> but, um, and so I like took it out on my mom and my stepdad and was just like not mm -hmm. a very good person to be around a lot of the time, I think. Um, so maybe not my best self. Maybe I'm like looking back with rose colored glasses. Um, and then when I was by myself and like not with other people, I was just like really depressed. Like I had a lot, like a huge fog throughout until I was like 20. And this is like a whole nother story I can share after, but I had this like big, just like fog in my life. And I turned to porn when I was like 11 to like escape the pain of, well, just cause I was curious at first. I was like, well, this is cool. But then like, as I got older, it was like the outlet that I went to when I couldn't handle myself or like, I just got really addicted and it was so accessible and so like new and yeah but then after a while it just became this like monster and i was it's it's gross like porn is really really bad um yeah. and i think that like i didn't realize that until after i stopped or like be i realized it and then i stopped basically but um when i was younger i would like watch stuff and then afterward be like why did i watch that like that was horrible you know and but it yeah. was because i was like trying to escape my depression and because i was trying to like find some sort of just like I don't know outlet i guess and you know no one no one in high school knew that i was depressed and i didn't know i was depressed right like i hadn't labeled myself as that and because at school like i've always been like able to really be a really highly high performing person you know so i was like getting straight a's i was like on the sports teams i got mvp on the track team like i had a lot of really cool friends I, all of my professors really liked me like and i was not good at soccer so i was not like a star stud student you know but like I did pretty well in high school, you know, and I had passions on the side and I like went hiking and played magic. So no one really saw, but when I was growing up, I was definitely not in a good place um, throughout that time. And I think that what you asked about in terms of like how I had these realizations when I was 15, 16, I think that it was like, that was when I first had started to like have an inkling of waking up to myself and coming back to who I am. And it was like very, very slow progress. And it kind of like sped up and escalated as I got to college. Um, and I remember my first like or second talk with one of my mentors in college who I like, I love. He definitely changed my life because he asked me this question. He said, like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, and no one had ever asked me that before, really. So I had to think about it. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, oh, whoa, right? And that was the first time really? I realized it was I, like. No, it's so interesting because I feel like that's a question. I I mean, I heard it all the time when I was a kid. What are you going to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? So what? Yeah. I don't think I heard it that often, honestly, growing up. I like, I don't know if it's because people around me didn't want to put pressure on myself or I didn't mm. listen, but like, I just don't remember hearing it, which might be because I like part of why I don't remember like having a dream when I was a kid. Right. But mm. um, yeah. And then, um, so in college, that was that first time was with my mentor that I like kind of started to have an inkling that I could choose my life. Um, but then when I was studying abroad in New Zealand, which was my junior year in the fall, kind of in the summer, actually, um, I got there and just had like so much social anxiety because of some like stuff that happened in the past year before that. Um, and I had to like grapple with the social anxiety and so i remember listening to this podcast with aziz Ghazipura on the art of manliness i think and he wrote a book called not nice which is all about being your authentic self and showing up in order to deal with social anxiety and that podcast just like it was the first thing i heard and i was like holy shit like this is what i need to learn and so i ordered the book and like read the entire thing just like stopped going to classes like I mean, I was really depressed at that point too. So I like was not doing much other than like reading this book because I was just like, it was my salvation was this mm. book. And so I would go and I would do all of the exercises and I would just like go sit in coffee shops. I would go for walks like, and I would just read and try and absorb as much as possible. And that book really like dragged me through the mud of my own existentialism and my own existence and who I was and made me like figure it out and come wow. out the other side. And then I like, I did like I figured it out and I was like oh wow cool and so then 
you know, I, I made this list of like all of my rules for life. I made like my bill of rights. I made, and this is all stuff that the author like prescribes on the readers, but it was so transformative for me. And then I read this book called Steve Jobs by um, Walter Isaacson too, which is like his biography. And I read that for one of my classes. And I finished reading this book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by- um, a good one. Uh, oh, Robert Piercig. And basically like the, the point like that came together for me after reading Steve Jobs and Robert Piercig's book was like this awakening moment. And I was sitting on this bench in the botanical gardens in New Zealand, which was like a mile from my house, which was awesome in retrospect, like so cool to have that opportunity. Um, and I was just sitting on this bench and I finished reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance for the second time. The first time I did not get this, but the, not to give it away, cause like, I think everyone should be this book, but the main character has this like awakening at the end and like comes back to himself almost. And I, and it's like this big moment of just like letting go of like the shame and letting go of being labeled an other. And it was like, for me, this magical thing. And I actually like put down the book, like after I was crying, like I finished reading it and I was crying and I was like, why am I crying? And I put down the book and I like really had to pee. So I, I went into the woods behind the bench and just like was peeing. And I looked up at the leaves above me and like, I could see each vein in each of the leaves and it was just like this crazy profound moment and I felt like my soul literally like thunk back into my being and it was just nuts like I've never been able to explain this to anyone like how it felt but it was so powerful and I knew in that moment that the self that I had lost when I was in seventh grade when I moved to public school that I like stuffed down inside myself was back and like that changed everything and since that moment like i've been me even though it hasn't always been easy i've like gone through really deep depression since then like i've had suicidal ideations and like it's been dark in times but it's been me dealing with the darkness instead of this like shell of myself and that like has made everything better and now i can like look at my life and really be proud of of who i am mm. and want want to live even though it's hard sometimes you know like there are the hard moments and there are the times when I feel like I'm out of alignment with who I am, but it's like worth struggling for because I'm so grateful just to like have my soul and have my existence back and be like to be me. So oh, that's yeah. unbelievable, man. That's funny because it made me think of my mom. My, uh, my dad um, passed away. He committed suicide and Sorry. she said for, Oh, it was, it was a long time ago. It was actually before I was born. It was while she was pregnant with me. And she said for a long time, maybe 10, 15 years, she was in a, a fog as well. And then suddenly one day she felt like she was back. Wow. And it just was like, like you said, like the soul just popped back in. So it's yeah. it's crazy. It's uh, how this, those events happen. And I feel like, you know, if you're, if you feel like you're not going to find that, I feel like it can happen whenever you least expect it. It's just suddenly... I think we're all, a lot of people are looking for that moment. And I think the word is never going to happen, but I think it could happen for anybody. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful. So I want to move into, got a little bit of time left. So I want to move into your current calling, which is your coaching. Yeah. So yeah, talk so, to me about where that came from. Yeah. So I, um, it took a long time for me to figure out, I mean, I'm 22, so, <laughs> you know. You, feel, you lived I a can, lot in those 22 years. I mean, this is yeah a lot of stuff yeah like i can complain and be like oh my god it took so long for me to figure this out but like i'm really <laughs> happy that i figured out what i figured out now um now it's just about like holding myself accountable to what i know mm -hmm. to be true instead of like letting myself fall back into laziness and fear so which is like a daily struggle but anyway to answer course, your question of course um i took this so a lot of it like connects to this story actually like the stories i've told and i took this class for my fellowship that I did last summer. And part of what we learned about was like vocational discernment. And like Alex talks about, like listening to the whisper, listening to the whisper of like what your soul is trying to tell you. And that that comes in stillness. Um, and I didn't really, like I understood that, but I didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like I intellectually yeah. knew that, but I didn't really get how to do it. Um, and then I took a class the next quarter uh called conscientious capitalism and the class part i didn't really like but once a week we would meet with a leadership development group which was just like 
friends of mine basically who from who I met in the class mostly and like we were led by this mentor named Kristen and she's awesome and throughout that process we had different assignments that we had to do including like writing as many memories as we could from the past 10 years or like writing out our fears you know and trying to understand them or uh, just like a bunch of different things and so throughout those two classes I like came closer and closer to understanding myself and like what I want to offer the world uh and it also comes because last summer like a year ago I was in Ghana working for a social enterprise uh helping these artisans basically by empowering them to create uh artisanal products baskets that they could sell overseas to like bring themselves more money so they were living on like a dollar a day really suffering like like really suffering, you know, these people like die at 50 and like have extremely hard lives. Um, but I just like didn't feel connected. I didn't feel passionate about helping those people. And I had so much guilt about that for so long while I was there. And when I came back, I was like, why can't I just want to help these people? Like they need it, you know, I can see them eating it. But for me, it was just like not, it wasn't me, you know? And I think I, once I realized that I was like, and it realized that it's okay to like add value to the world in a way that is authentic and that's not forced, even if it's less, quote unquote, less impactful or less directly impactful, that's okay. And so that like gave me the freedom to actually choose to, to add value and want to add value in a way that fits me. And it, it released me from feeling like I needed to solve climate change or solve like the wage gap or like, solve racism right like all of these really big systemic issues which are really important but like i just like was putting so much pressure on myself to be the one to like save the world right which is just like not a thing you know like it's really not a thing um and so that was like the the foundational level of like what gave me the opportunity to have the realization that i wanted to be a coach um and where that came from actually and where like the the really profound moment was is i was sitting in my friend's house during quarantine she was like one of the people in my pod and she was asking me question after question about my story and about how things all connected and i realized that like for me the biggest thing is i have dealt with so much like mental health issues in my life and this like out of alignment and inauthenticity and depression and i realized that like it, i just hate that like i hate the suffering and i was talking to one of my old like best friends and he's always like looked up to me he's a few years younger and he was sharing like this really challenging part of his own life about how he like was depressed and how he was suicidal and like I was just like so not like enraged but just like so full of energy when I was listening to him and being like this is the problem like this is the thing that I want to focus on in my life and focus on solving and I realized that like the way to do that is to help people be their authentic selves so that they're not depressed and so that they're not anxious because so many people get stuck like i was stuck when i was in high school trying to be someone that they're not because they think that they need to be that person and that just sucks like there's really nothing else to put there it's just like the worst thing and i think that for me i realized that like i am good at this like i am good at coaching and i really enjoy coaching and i it the world needs it you know and so the, like the where those three things connected, I was just like, oh, yeah, like this makes sense. And I think that, you know, it's taken. Well, like it's not done, right? Like I'm not a coach who's going to like go change or save the world right now. But it's like, which is still not the goal, but it's like. I just need to keep showing up, right? Like it's not about having it's not about the destination, right? It's about the journey and it's about like the daily grind of of going to work for eight hours and then coming home and doing an hour coaching call. And like yesterday I did that and I tried to like reschedule my coaching call, but I, the woman who I was doing it with, like didn't get my message. So she was like, Hey, I'm here. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, I guess I got to do this. Right. So I got on the call and it was awesome. Like I left that call with 10 times more energy than I had when I went into it. And that's the kind of sign that I'm looking for in my life. That's just like, yeah, like if I feel like that, I'm going to keep going, you know? And, um, yeah, so I'm really excited, but I also don't want to like pigeonhole myself as a coach, right? Like I learned this world word yesterday called um, a multi 
sensationalite or multi i don't know it's a long mm. word but basically what it means it's, it's like someone who is interested in and good at a lot of things right and for so much time so long i felt like i couldn't do that like being a generalist was wrong and everyone needs to like specialize in something but i actually like love working on all different kinds of things like yesterday i wrote a song i released it and it was like so fun you know and i love coaching and i love hiking and i love like podcasting and it, it all kind of fits together but i don't want to like put pressure on myself to be just one thing even though so many people say that you need to because that like quote unquote one thing in reality is actually a combination of so many different things and the only thing exactly. that i want to be is myself right and mm -hmm. if i can like be myself with all of my eclectic experiences then i am being one thing but it's like one thing full of lots of things you know so i'm really excited to just like keep showing up and be authentic and like that's my dream for myself right now i don't think there's a i don't think you have to be one thing anymore i think that's that's a tired out idea i mean yeah we've tons of people who are doing whatever they want and doing fine yeah well i love this conversation and I always end with the greatest gift uh, from our good friend Keyshawn taught me that greatest gift you gave me today was the beauty of realization in uh, how the idea of, I love the idea of seeking and how you can go through the ends of the earth, literally Southeast Asia, New Zealand. Uh, you said you went to Ghana and everywhere you went, you had a new realization and is brought it has brought it back to where you are now to give to others so that they can seek and that they they can have the spirit to seek and i think mm -hmm. the spirit of seeking is so important because we get so caught up in our comfort zones thanks yeah just to throw it back at you as i was inspired to do also by Keyshawn, the greatest <laughs> gift that you gave me today was the opportunity to go deep on my story and connect things in a recorded place where I can actually yeah. like go back and listen to it. Cause I've told these stories a lot of times, but I've never had it all in one spot. So I'm really excited for this. And I am just like so grateful for you having me on the show. You can find out more about Phelan at Phelan.com, F-A-O-L-A-N.com. And listen to his podcast, which just went into its second season called The Authentic Path. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Now, the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.